let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, who in his own self bear our sins in his own body on a tree. And everybody say amen. 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 You would be amazed of how many people believe that evil, pain, suffering, sicknesses, and death comes from God. You'd be amazed at it. God, in many of our stories, is the villain. If God was on trial today, and you were in the jury, you would probably convict him of being evil. Some people believe that God does evil. That God kills babies and, and puts cancer on people to teach them a lesson. Some people believe that God causes them to be broke, busted, and disgusted, and they'll never blame their laziness. Some people believe that it is God who brings storms, who causes tsunamis, who creates war. Some people believe this morning that God is the perpetrator of evil. Yes, some people believe that. In fact, what is the saddest part is that in the church is that people have invented doctrines and teachings that makes it look like God wants people to be sick. That God wants people to be in pain. That God wants people to die. That God wants people to suffer. Over the many years and centuries and decades, these teachings have actually been implanted into the church. And I'm here to rectify it this morning. I'm here to kick some of this nonsense out of your head and out of the church. Some preach that God is out to punish and to destroy the world. In fact, you don't have to go too far to find out who the some are, who the some are. You just turn on your devil, I mean the television, and click through the channels, and you will find at least one preacher on Sunday morning telling you that God's going to punish America, or God's going to punish the world, and that he's out to destroy everybody. At that point, you have to ask the question, what is the purpose of the devil? I can't hear you. That's what he said. That's a good one, Pastor. <laughs> what is the purpose of a devil? Let me tell you the problem with this type of preaching and for those of you who enjoy those type of preachers. This type of preaching sets a tone for pain. It sets a precedence for suffering to come and for, for, for people to believe that healing is, sickness is normal and storms are okay. 
and, and the question is, if you, if you believe those things, why bother pray to remove them if you believe God put them there? <laughs> this is a contradiction. You believe God, he, you believe God put sickness on people. Why bother pray for healing? So there is a tone being set. Uh, get, stay with me. There's a tone. Because if you believe that God brought these things, then we don't have any power to move it. Because God sent it. You, you, your faith cannot rise above your confession. Write it down. My faith cannot rise above my confession. What we confess by faith is what we get. So my faith cannot rise above my confession. And if I'm confessing God sends sickness, and I'm confessing God is trying to teach me a lesson by punishing me and by neglecting to provide for me, then I cannot pray it away. I can't stop it. Let me tell you the source of all this. Everybody said we need to go back to the source. Yeah, we need to find out where we got this nonsense from. We got this nonsense from the fact that we believe God is still angry with us. Where did we get it from? <laughs> Only angry people punish you. Only angry people want to hurt you. If God is angry with me this morning, then will he heal me? Who heals in anger? Please, let me see the parent that says, I heal in anger and I cast the demon out of you right now. If you believe God is anger, angry, you will believe God will withhold healing and blessings from you. Because I've never seen anybody give their best gift when they're angry. I've never seen anybody do good when they're angry. I've never seen anybody love you when they're angry. I love you, so take a few more lashes. But if that's love, you can keep it. <laughs> when you believe God is angry, you set a tone that he's out to punish that he's out to hurt, that he's out to get revenge and, and justice. And, and in fact, what happens to you, you tend to lock yourself off from the other side of God, which says God is loving, God is kind, God is full of grace. When I was a kid and, and, and my mother would beat me, which was often, not that I was a bad kid, I'm not saying that. I wasn't at all. I just spent a few years in jail, but I wasn't that bad. My mother would never stop in the middle of her furious licks, <laughs> beatings, to tell me, oh, I love you. I'm just doing this because I love you. And so in anger, in anger there is an absence of grace and mercy. So if you think God is angry, then there is an absence in your mind also of the grace and goodness of God. And let me illustrate it for you this morning. You got your coin, you got your money. I need something you can have two sides of. You got it? Check it out. One side is an angry queen. 
<laughs> She's not even smiling, bro. Look at this girl. <laughs> and the other side is a happy duck, <laughs> a happy beer, or whatever you got on the other side. Everybody says a corn has two sides. Good. The same way God has two covenants. Everybody say God's got two covenants. So I want you to take a moment and I want you to pick one side which you'll call old and one side you'll call new. Old and new. So I'm going to go with the gal and I'm going to call her old. <laughs> and I'm going to go with the little beer on this side here and I'm going to call him new. The Old Testament, ladies and gentlemen, the whole world, the whole world in the old, in this the side, everybody hold up the side has a gal on it. There you go. On that side, the whole world was under judgment. The whole world was under judgment. Don't forget that. That's the key of the old. The key of the old, you need to understand, in the old, the whole world was under judgment. And judgment for what? Judgment for sin. Look at Romans 5.8 for a minute. Let's look at it. Did I? Did I? I, I think I got that one wrong. Wait, let me, let me put it up here. I don't know what's going on in my notes this morning. The Old Testament. The Old Testament. It's clear that the world is under judgment. And a lot of us, we... We live from the Old Testament. We live from that one side of the coin. We live from that one side of the coin. And the problem with us is that we never get to flip the coin. We never get to see what the New Testament looked like to agree with the New Testament. Because if you flip the coin, you will see Sin was imputed to everybody, and the law came because of that sin. Keep going. This is the section I want you to get at. The other side of the coin. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam. This is the text. To Moses. When did death reign? From Adam to Moses. And the Bible says, and even so through one man's righteousness and free act of grace, and I'm sure I got that text wrong, but forgive me. They'll find it at the back and pop it up. I've got it wrong. 
but through righteousness. Jesus came so that you can reign. Through Adam, death reigned. And so through one man, righteousness as a free gift came to all men, resulting in justification. Meaning that you got the gift of grace. They'll find, man, I don't know. Are we missing this text? There it is. Through the disobedience of one. That's the text, guys. Thank you. Look at this. Disobedience of one man. Many, many became sinners. So that this is the text. Everybody said, write it down. Pastor, you finally got it right. Thank you. Thank you for the grace this morning. I, this, this stuff, sometimes in your writing, you, you, you sometimes miswrite. But anyway, it's the text. Thank you. Thank you. Romans 5, 19. So the first part of the text, this is the coin text. The first part of the text is that you were made sinners by Adam. The second part of the text, you've been made righteous through Jesus Christ. First part of the text, Adam made you a sinner. First side of the coin. Flip the coin over, Jesus made you righteous. This is the text. The coin text. I recorded it wrong. You got to hear me. Some of you are living on the wrong side of the coin. What's the free gift? Grace. Everybody say grace. The flip side of the coin is the New Testament. So that through the obedience of the other man, which is the New Testament, one man, many became righteous. That's the double-sided coin in the text. Watch this. The new covenant is not a covenant of judgment. What's the covenant of judgment? The old covenant is the covenant of, of judgment. The old covenant, you're being punished for sin. Disobedience causes judgment. But in the New Testament, Jesus was obedient for all of us. Anybody here obedient? Let me see your hands. Don't lie. Nobody here can be obedient. So in the New Testament, Jesus was obedient. And through him, many became righteous. Who are the many? Those who put their trust in him. Everybody say, he was obedient for me. Amen. So the New Testament is not a testament of judgment. It's a testament of joy. It's not a testament of law, but it's a testament of love. It's not a testament of, 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 of good works, but a testament of grace. It's not a testament of flesh. It's a testament of faith. The Old Testament is a testament of judgment of works, of law, of flesh. That's the Old Testament. Now here's the problem. We're starting on the wrong side. And most of you, when you talk, you talk as though Jesus did nothing for you yet. You talk like Jesus did nothing. You talk like you're still under Moses. Like Jesus didn't come yet. You talk from the old. Your whole talk is from the old. Oh, you don't worry. God's going to fix them. 
God fixed Jesus so we don't got to fix them. Watch this. You, you're, you're still wanting to fix the world. You can't even fix your own life. Everybody say, what I focus on, I become. Good. So if you focus on the Old Testament, all of a sudden, you're going to get angry. Because you're only seeing God as an angry God. What you focus on is what you're going to get. Have you ever met believers that are mean and angry and upset and all you can hear come out of their mouth is you didn't live right? All you can hear come out of their mouth is judgment, condemnation, fear, weakness. You have a problem and instead of them trying to tell you we can fix the problem, they're telling you, look, you better get a divorce. Why is that? Because they're Old Testament. Let's put them away. Let's beat them up and throw them out the door. I know somebody who used to be like that. Punishment. Judgment. Condemnation. I know that person really well. You want to know who? Me. Yeah, me. I was the guy. Man, you can wear, you can wear baseball. I'm sorry. You're done. I preach you out of this church. I was just like that. I used to preach Kasmanju. I used to preach judgment and condemnation to everybody. Because I was so focused on the Old Testament of God that was angry. And anybody that's here that knew me long enough, you knew that's true. Everybody, anybody knows me long enough, come and lift your hands and say that amen. There you go. There, Chan, thank you, Chan, for being the first to lift your hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, pray for her. Oh, wow, Jesus. My wife, oh, God. I don't, know how, I don't even know how you survived that, girlfriend. The, the side of the coin I used to focus on was this old person here, this old law. And, and because I, I was so focused on the law, what came out of me was the law. I was so focused on the old, what came out of me was stuff that destroyed and killed and condemned. And I want the whole world to burn, burn, baby, burn. And everybody that did me wrong, instead of praying for them, I'm like, God, dig a hole and let them fall in. God, you, you destroy their car, God. God, you teach them a lesson, God. Oh, God will fight my battles for me. Stupid. I hear Christians talk like that all the time, like you're not saved. God will fight. God is going to fight your battle against your neighbor because your neighbor did bad? What if you were the bad neighbor? I'll leave that there. Would you pray for your own destruction? Why are you praying for somebody else's destruction? Because you are Old Testament. You heard me correct. I used to be the guy. I focused on the side where God was angry at everything. The side that I focused on, God was angry, God was angry, God was angry. Now, everybody say God was angry. What was he angry at? Sin. 
God was angry at sin. Do you think God is still angry at sin now? <laughs> that note came up. <laughs> Half of you don't even know how to answer that question. In the Old Testament, God was angry at sin. God was ticked off. Anybody that sinned, anybody that disobeyed, anybody that messed up, God was ticked off. He's coming to get you, bad boy, bad boy. What you going to do? Turn with me to Psalm 7, verse 11. God's anger was predicated by the fall. And God is a just judge, and God is angry, and God is angry with the wicked every day. God was angry. God was upset. He hated sin. Romans 1.18. I think I got this Romans right now. I think this one I got right. Romans 1.18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, every sinner, all unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in righteousness. God is, God is angry at sin. But is God angry today? See, the reason you still think God is angry because you never flipped the coin. You are still living from the Old Testament where there is an angry God. And it's correct, he's angry. In the New Testament, God's not angry. God's not angry at all. First John 1, 7, he says, so the law, by, by Moses the law came, but Je by Jesus, grace and truth. In the New Testament, grace came, not anger. Watch this, I'll go someplace with you. In fact, the scripture says in 1 John 4, it says God is love. There's no scripture in the Old Testament that ever says God is love. It says God is angry, God's upset, God is judge. But no scripture in the, New, in the Old Testament. In fact, there's so many scriptures in the Old Testament that says God is angry. But there's no scripture in the New Testament that declares that. What it declares in the New Testament is that God is love. God is grace. Everybody say, flip the coin. Flip the coin. What stopped God, God from being angry? What stops God's wrath? What does that? Maybe an easier way to put it is, what stops you from being angry? Let's bring it home. Let's bring it personal. Anybody here ever be Keep your hands down so I cast the devil out of you. Anybody here ever been angry? Okay. What, what stops you from being angry? What stops a person from being angry when their anger is appeased? When you find some justice, when you got your payback, when, when, when you get some resolution, when vengeance is finally taken out on your children. You're happy when you give him a hard talking to. And then you calm down after you get the gas out of your system. Amen, Connie. Say amen. Hallelujah. Amen. 
It's the same way with God. God needed to get his anger out. God needed to take his anger out. But if God took his anger out on you, you'd be, you'd be dead. You'd be crushed. None of you will have a good life. So instead of God punishing the world, punishing us, the Bible says how God took his anger out on Jesus. Everybody say amen. I want you to look at two scriptures that, is, that are important. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Look at what it says. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for you. That we might become the righteousness of God. So God, what does God want to punish? And if he had to punish sin, he had to punish you. Instead, God sent Jesus, and Jesus took your sins upon himself on the cross, and God punished you in Jesus. Where did God punish you? Where did God punish Hitler? Oh boy, I, I guess he didn't punish Hitler. Where did God punish your so terrible neighbor? Where did God punish the person that raped you? Where did God punish the person that cussed you out? Where did God punish the person that abandoned you? So why are you looking to punish them? I don't get it. But why are you looking for vengeance on people? God already took vengeance. Why are you praying, God, punish them? God, why are you buying into all these stupid Facebook posts and Instagram posts that says God will take revenge? God already took revenge. I said God already took revenge. You're not getting me. You, you think you know everything. God already took revenge. You don't need to pray, oh God, my enemies, the same thing they sowed in my life. Give it back to them, Lord. That, you're wicked. You don't understand the Bible. God punished Jesus for every sin of the entire earth that will ever be committed past, present, and future. Everybody say, every sin has already been punished. <laughs> Eric, don't look at me like that, brother. <laughs> Watch this. What is God angry at? Everybody say sin. What's causing God's anger? Everybody say sin. So God placed all our sin on Jesus, our scapegoat. The Bible says God imputed it. He, he attributed. And what does it mean? Well, it's this. Think about it this way. It means God's anger has been redirected to Jesus. I want to be you, but I want to slap Jesus. Everybody said Jesus was slapped. I, I want to strip you down naked for your wickedness, but he was stripped naked for your wickedness. God redirected your punishment to Jesus. 
God redirected the punishment of Hitler to Jesus. God redirected the punishment of Hamas to Jesus. God redirected the punishment of every wicked person to Jesus. It's already done. Y'all don't understand your Bible. You guys been reading your Bible for years, but you don't get it. There ain't nobody left to punish. Punishment, when now when you're thinking of punishing somebody, you're trying to punish them out of your own spite. I'm punish them because they did me wrong. God already paid for everything for them. I had an uncle that raped me. God already forgave him. Before I could forgive him, God forgave him. What? But I needed to forgive him so I can be free from unforgiveness. <laughs> but God already forgave him. In who? In Jesus. God imputed that man's sin to Jesus. God imputed my sin to Jesus. And when Jesus died on the cross, he died as me. With my sins, with the sins of the world. First Peter 2, 4, go back to my text. It tells us. First Peter 2, 4. 2, 24, yeah. Look at what it says, clearly. Who himself bore... <laughs> Who himself bore our sins. He bore your sins. He took your punishment in his body on the tree. Having died to sin. So that you might live in righteousness. He said might because the only way you get it is when you believe in Jesus. Then it's applied. But he already did it. I said he already did it. The next time you get into a fight, don't go home whining like a little, I'll leave it there. I'll leave it there. Don't go home whining and say, oh God, you don't know what they did to me. Oh, punish them. Burn them down. God already burnt him up. This is the nonsense of the old church. They're living from the, the side of the coin that teaches anger. I'm living from the side of the corner teaches grace because I understand that God already paid for the sins of the world. God already paid for the guy to cut you off on the road. 1 Peter 2.24 says in his own self he bore our sins in his body. So watch this. God is not angry with anybody anymore. Because what is God angry with? Let's figure it out. It says ABC. What is God angry with? God is not angry with people. God is angry with sin. And did Jesus bore the sins of the world? Yes. The Bible says that. So is God angry still? Why? Jesus bore the anger of God. God Took his anger out on Jesus. Jesus appeased the anger of God. So God is not an angry God anymore. And he's not out to destroy America. Amen. Are you all learning something this morning? Talk to me. 
Are you getting the point? I'm trying to show. We're going to talk about healing, but first I got to clear it up. This is what I do in my brain. I clear it up. Because if I can't understand it, I can't teach you. God's anger was appeased on the cross. Jesus came and he paid the price. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, and he bore, he, he bought us with a price. He did what? Bought us with a price. Jesus paid a price for you. He bought you with a price. He suffered. He took the just penalty of God for sin that he didn't deserve upon himself. So you can be free. The anger and wrath of God was poured out upon him. He bled and he died for you and me. God's wrath was placed on Jesus, his son. And guess what? He's not angry anymore. I said, guess what? How many of you watch a television preacher that tells you God is angry at America? Hallelujah. Don't lift your hands and lie. You see, you, you, you know what I'm talking about. This stuff has been, been spoon-fed to us, poison. Because people are misinterpreting the scriptures. And that misinterpretation has long-term repercussions. And we're saying, amen, pastor. Amen, brother. Amen. You're silly. When I hear preachers preaching judgment, I, I turn off my TV and my, change the channel. Because I know it's not true. Because judgment has already been passed. Everybody say judgment has been passed. Where was judgment passed? On Jesus. Jesus bore the past, the present, and the future sins of the entire world. Everybody say his anger is over. The day of anger is over. God's not angry anymore. God's not out to punish the sinner anymore. You ever hear those preachers say, oh, God's going to punish you? Witnesses, somebody say, God's going to punish you. No, God loves you. The message we preach to the sinners, God loves you. And he died on the cross for your? <laughs> and all, all he wants is a relationship from you. So all you got to do is surrender your life and come into that relationship. Your sins are already been dealt with. It's not a sin issue. I said it's not a sin issue. It's a relationship issue. You go to hell not because of sin, because Jesus already died for the sins of the world. You go to hell because you didn't give your life to Jesus. I know you don't like it, but you're going to have to read your Bible a little bit more. I'm not apologizing. To who? The old church lacked understanding. They're still preaching nonsense. Let me make myself clear. God will never punish you for your sins ever again. I bet since you've been saved, you messed up a few times. God will never punish you for that messing up ever again. Why? Because of Jesus. Because Jesus already paid for your messing up. 
Am I making, giving you a license to sin? Not at all. I'll fix that in a second. First of all, I don't need a license to sin. I just sin. <laughs> and secondly, if I came to Jesus, why the heck would I want to sin? If not, I wouldn't be Jesus. I'd be back on the streets. I didn't come to Jesus to get a license. I came to Jesus to surrender my life. So anytime you hear that garbage, but oh, oh, are you giving people a license to sin? Whoever is telling you that is drunk on stupidity. Why would I come to Jesus if I wanted a license to sin? I was already a sinner loving sin. I might as well have stayed there. I came to Jesus, so I'm giving my life. There ain't no license here, brother. I'm not a licensing office. We're the church. Watch this. God will never punish you. Why would God never punish you for your sins? Go back to the text, the other one. Because he already punished Jesus. Everybody say double jeopardy. Pull it up in your little, little whatever, your Google little thing. You know what double jeopardy is in the court of law? You can't be tried twice for the same thing. Jesus is already on trial for your sins. And he was found guilty. Then therefore you are set free from the guilt. Double jeopardy. That's what some of you believe. You believe that you are still going to be punished for your sin. When Jesus was punished. Then that's double jeopardy. This is, this is, this is what I'm telling you. This is such stupidity. Such stupidity in the church, it blows my mind. And I'm not here to beat the church up. I'm here to straighten you out. <laughs> so you can get yourself right. Get healing, so you can get blessed. This is where the problem is. That's why some people don't get healed and delivered. Because you think God's punishing you. God already punished Jesus. You think your sins are causing sickness. It's not. Your sin caused Jesus to go to the cross for you. Wow. <laughs> It's Everybody said this is important. So watch this. Some will preach that God has made you sick because he's out to punish your sin. Some will preach that the reason you're broke, busted, and disgusted is because God is punishing your sin. Some will preach that, that the reason you're, you're defeated is because God is punishing your sin. Some will preach that the reason you get cancer or the reason you get diabetes or you get high blood pressure or you get this is because of your sin. That's a lie. Jesus took my sins away. He took my sins away. Okay, you two guys are too young for that song. Just realize what crowd I'm speaking to. He was my scapegoat. Everybody said, Jesus is my scapegoat. No, my friend. Your sin can never cause punishment ever again. Because Jesus has been punished for you. So God cannot put any punishment on you. Because God punishes sin. And since you have no sin, God can't punish you. And this goes for the people who are not even Christians. Because the sins of the world has already been forgiven. Not the sins of the church. This is where we got to change a little higher the tone. It's not you Christians that get forgiveness. Jesus died for the sins of the world preach the gospel properly he didn't die for the sins of the church 
So when you see a person who's not in the church, and they come and they say, well, I think God's punishing me. They say, no, 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 no. God's not punishing you. Jesus already died for that. Jesus has already punished for your sins. This sickness is not because of sin. Have you ever heard preachers preach? Oh, because you got, you, 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 because we're going to get to how sin works in a minute. But not because of God. Everybody say, God does not punish anybody for their sins. He punished Jesus for our sins. Say with me again. God does not punish anybody for their sins. He punished Jesus for our sins. You got to get that in your head. I said you got to get that in your head. If God punishes us for our sins, then God has to ignore the sacrifice of Jesus. And he's not going to do that. God has to say, well, I'm not taking Jesus' sacrifice into consideration. In fact, you're going to have to earn your way. But God took Jesus' sacrifice as payment for your sins. And that sufficed God. And God's no longer angry. The Bible says Jesus was punished for all our sins. How many people? All our sins. Therefore, God will never punish you with sickness. Why? Because you don't have the conduit in you anymore. You don't have the means by which punishment can come to you. If you had sin, you'd be a radar for punishment. But you don't have sin anymore. So the radar is dead. Therefore punishment can't find you. God's punishment will never find the world. He's not out to punish the world. Because he punished Jesus. Get your story straight. God's not the criminal here. God's not the perpetrator here. God's the God who's helping this world to have a better life and to go to heaven. Watch this. I'm almost done. You need to reject this lie. You have been forgiven of your sins, and therefore it's impossible for God to punish you. Everybody say it's impossible for God to punish me for my sins. Everybody say it's impossible for God to punish me for my sins. Finish the statement. Because he already punished Jesus. Your wife, Brandon, might punish you for some sin, but not Jesus. Okay, let's jump a little further. Are there consequences for sin? Is the question we need to answer. Are there consequences for sin? Absolutely, but they're not from God. I said absolutely there are consequences, but they are not from? Why? Because God... Punished Jesus and took out all his anger, put all the consequences on Jesus. So, so watch this. When you sin, it is never God who punishes you. It can never be God punishing you because you mess up, because you didn't get it right, because you didn't do it, you didn't obey enough. No, Jesus was obedient for all of us. Jesus obeyed because he knows you can't obey. Jesus was obedient unto death and hung on the tree for you. You, you listen, so your disobedience can no longer threaten you. 
Have you ever seen people? Oh, I don't know. Oh, man. Oh, man. I, I, I don't know. I messed up this week. God's, God's out to get me. God's not out to get you. It's okay if you mess up. Your messing up doesn't attract God anymore. What attracts God is your future, your destiny. God's not attracted by your sin. Why? Because Jesus took all my away. But there's somebody else who's interested in them. Oh boy. Did you know that God is not the only person that you are dealing with, dealing with when it comes to sin? Did you know that? A lot of people think that sin, that God is the only person that deals with sin. God is not the only person that deals with sin. Sin is an instrument of the devil that causes evil and destruction. It's the devil that uses sin. That's why he wanted Adam to sin so he can use it in the life of humanity. It's Satan that made us sin. It's Satan that makes you sin. You sin because of your evil appetites. You sin because of your pride. You sin because of the weakness of your flesh. But those things are caused by Satan. Satan is the one that introduced sin to the world, not God. Satan is the author of sin and evil. When you play with sin, you are playing with the devil. Everybody say, when I play with sin, I'm playing with the devil. Good. Let's go, let's go to Romans quickly. I don't know, I've been big on Romans. I kind of have some scriptures mixed up here. Romans 6.16, let's go look at it quickly. <laughs> know ye not that to whom you yield yourself servants to, his servants you are? So if you, leave, if you yield to sin, whose servant are you? The devil's servant. Every time you sin, you are serving the devil. Because whose sin is it? Can a Christian sin? Absolutely. How many of you here still sin? Don't you all lift your hands at once? But every time a Christian sins, you don't get condemned for it. You actually serve the devil when you do it. So when you lie, when you cheat, when you commit pornography, when you commit adultery, when you commit uh, homosexuality, whatever you do, when you cuss, that sin attracts the, the slave master of sin, which is Satan. It tells you, do you not know, hello, don't you know, to whom you present yourselves, slave to, obey? You are the one, you are, are that one slave. So when you obey sin, you become the slave of the, the devil. Because sin is not only on the radar of God, but it's on the radar of the devil. And God took it off his radar. So whose radar is it still on? The devil. So when you sin, you're attracting the devil. You're attracting demons. You're attracting sicknesses. You're attracting diseases. So all the disease and sicknesses and things that you're seeing on the earth are coming because of sin. And when you stop sinning, 
you stop attracting the devil. Hello, somebody. You're too quiet, sinner. I'm going to leave that there, sorry. <laughs> when you yield yourself to sin, you are yielding yourself to the author of that sin, Satan. So God forgave you of all your sins, and God is not coming after you anymore because of sin, because he went after Jesus because of sin. But if you keep sinning, you now are attracting Satan. So that's why Christians need to stop sinning. So you stop attracting the devil. And when the devil comes, what does he do? He steals, he kills, and he destroys. So sin leaves the door open for Satan. Not God. Why are you blaming God for your mess? Blame yourself. Blame your own sin. Blame your own stupidity. Blame yourself. Because you are the one leaving the door open to the devil. And now the devil is coming in and you don't want him in. If you don't want him in, stop sinning. Stop sinning. Whom the sun set free. But if you open the door, he's coming inside. You can't beat the scriptures. The scriptures are always right. Jesus forgave me of all my sins, but my sins attract the, because sin is not only dealt with by God, it is dealt with by the author of it, Satan. God on his end, he fixed the sin problem. He's not beating you up anymore because of it. He fixed it in Jesus. But on your end, you need to fix it in you. And until you fix sin in your life, the door will remain open to the devil. And you want to know why sickness and death and, and cancer and all these things are coming on your body? Well, I hope I can help you this morning. This is why it's so, or in fact, it is absolutely stupid to live in sin. Everybody say it's stupid to live in sin. You're living for God, but you're living in sin. You can't do that. Because God may have forgiven you of your sins, but you now use sin to attract the devil. And boom, here he comes. Here he comes. Everybody say ouch. Everybody say sin makes an inroad for the devil in my life. Now understand with me today and I'm almost done. Sin is not just rebellion to God. Sin is the cause of pain of suffering, of storms, of poverty, of loss, of judgment, of punishment, of separation, and every evil in the world, sin is the cause of it. Sin is the cause of it. Sin is the cause of it. Anytime you're going through a hard time, you can't, you can't get a good life, you can't sleep at night, check your sin factor. No, oh God, I need healing. No, my friend, repent of your sins and you will be healed. You know, a lot of people don't get healed because they have so much sin. When you cast the demon out of them, when you pray for them, the sin leaves the door open for the enemy to keep coming back. The Bible says, Pastor, the Bible says that a man went and he swept the house clean. And it was clean, but the demons came back. Why? Because he left the door open. 
Read the text. You could sweep the house. Jesus could clean your life of sin. But if you leave the door open, they will come back seven times worse. Sin is the problem in the church. Sin is why we're still experiencing poverty and sicknesses and cancer and all the... It's because of your sinning. Sin. Sin is the problem. Isaiah 53, 5, 3 to 5. Feel like that has to be balanced a little bit better. And he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrow, acquainted with deep, the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and he did not, and we did not even care. Yet, it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God. Watch this. A punishment for our sins. Watch this. Keep going. But he was pierced for our rebellion. Crush for our sins. He was what? He was what? For whose sins? Okay. Watch this. Watch the cure. Everybody said a cure. Everybody said a cure. So when he was pierced for my rebellion and crushed for my sins and was beaten so we could not, so we could behold, he was whipped so we could be. Did you get it? Every cancer, every poverty, every sickness, every disformity, every tumor, every perversion was placed on Jesus on the cross. On the cross, he died for all these things so that today, you can be healed from all these things. So we have two dispositions. Here's what I want you to remember. In fact, three. Number one, you need to flip the coin and live from the New Testament where God is no longer angry because he took his anger out upon Jesus, so you have to stop believing God's out to get you. Everybody say, God's not out to get me. Good. So nothing that happens to you comes from God. Nothing. I got to be clear with that. Because God is the perpetrator in a lot of your stories I began with. Nothing that happens to you comes from God. What came from God? Everybody said, Jesus came from God. Number two. Number two. On the cross, 
Jesus bore all your sins. And in bearing your sins, he also bore all your sicknesses and infirmities. He didn't just die for your sins. He died for you to be healed. Number three. The only time you should not see healing is if you have unforgiveness, if you have sin in your life. The only time you should not be healed, because Satan is in here now. The only time a miracle should not happen in your life is if the presence of sin is stopping that miracle. Because Satan is a residence in your life because of? That's why you need to live conscious of what you're doing, how you're speaking, so you don't sin. This is not about going to heaven. You're going to go to heaven with sin, with, 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 with sin in your life. You can go to heaven with sin because you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's the way to heaven. Everybody said the way to heaven is with Jesus. Jesus says, I am the door. Not sin is, forgiveness is the door. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door to the sheepfold. It's Jesus that's the way to heaven. Many Christians live in sin and they die from sicknesses and they're in heaven. But if you want to live on this earth and you want to live without sickness and you want to live without these attacks and this, and you want to live a good life, you need to put away sin because sin is opening the door to the enemy. You need to change your attitude. You need to change the way you talk, the way you deal with people. You need to change because those are the things that leaves the door open. Healing is supposed to be normal in a church. Everybody say normal. The moment we touch you like this, ding, you should be healed. The moment we touch you like that, bing, you should be free. Why? Why? Because Jesus paid for it. And if there is no sin, you, you know there was a part of the scripture, and let me end with this thought. There was a part of the scripture where Jesus said, the devil cometh, <coughs> but he has nothing in me. You can find that scripture. The devil cometh, but he has the devil, let him come. But when he cometh, when he comes, he should have, he should have no reason to attack you. Satan is like a roaring lion walking to and fro the earth looking for whom he can devour. He's not looking for people who are living clean. He's looking for people who have sin in their life. But he... John 14, 30. Afterwards, I will not talk much with you. For the prince of this world cometh and has nothing in me. I want to ask you this morning, does Satan have something in you? Does Satan have a reason for him to withhold, to attack you, to put sickness on you, to put diseases on you? Does he have a reason? Because God has no reason to hurt you. Everybody said, God's got no reason to hurt me. He already hurt Jesus. But there's somebody out to hurt you. 
there's somebody out to hurt you. The devil is out to hurt you. Somebody out to get you. Who's out to get you? Let's clear this up. Who's out to get you? Don't let me ever hear you tell about God did this to you. Because I just fixed that. Don't ever buy into these foolish preachers that tells you that God put sickness on people and God allowed this so he can teach you a lesson. God sent the Holy Spirit to teach me all things, not sickness. I don't know who reads their Bible, but I do. I do. I read my Bible. Stand with me all over this house. We'll go after some sickness. But first, I need you to get right with God. I need you to find those sins in your life, and I need you to repent. I need you to tell God, God, look, I want to close these doors. Repentance means to have a change of mind. You need to close your eyes right now, and you just need to, hey, God, I'm done with sinning, man. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> like, God, take away the appetite for sin in my life. That's what you actually have to pray. Lord, take away the appetite for anger. Take away the appetite for reactiveness. Take away the appetite for cussing. Take away the appetite. Tell him it's just like drinking and smoking and all these things that leave the door open for you to be destroyed. That's why we don't sin. We don't sin because we want to go to heaven. We receive Jesus if we want to go to heaven. But we don't sin because we don't want the devil to have a way in our lives. And, and we're going to pray. I'm going to pray for the sick today. But I want to make sure that when we pray for you, Satan can't come back and put it in your life. So you have to please close the door. I'm asking you to close the door to sin. If you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, you are still under the condemnation of the law. You're going you're to go to hell because you refuse Jesus as your Savior. That's why. Read it. First John, uh, John chapter 3 verse 18. Don't take my word for it. Go to the Bible. I'm not mad, I'm reading the Bible, just like you. And I'm telling you today that sin is the reason why people are getting sick. I'm telling you today that sin is the reason why people are dying. They're smoking, they're drinking, they're doing all this wickedness. And then they say, oh, well, you know, I want to live long. Well, you're not going to live long if you're smoking, drinking, and doing all kind of wickedness. You can't. You can't, you can't, I'm sorry. 120 will never see you if you live in sin. The only way you can make it to 120 is if you stop sinning. Because when you sin, you become a target to the devourer who's walking the earth looking for whom he can devour. And what is he looking for? He's not looking for you. He's looking for where sin is. The only way he can destroy you is by sin. The only way Satan could destroy you is by your sin. So instead of this, I mean, that Jesus, could, God could destroy you is by sin. And God took sin and put it on Jesus so he doesn't have to destroy you but you need to put sin away